Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Test, test. We're recording. This is Agent Simon Sliptick of the FBI. The following recording is evidence relating to the events of 27th of September 2017. This is Case File 30 of Caged In. We feel the man in question is dangerous and has watched far too much Nicolas Cage. Approach with caution and see this as a warning of the dangers of Cage consumption. Again, proceed with caution when consuming Nicolas Cage. We will continue to follow this case through to its logical conclusion. This is Agent Simon Slipdick signing off. Hello and welcome to episode 30 of the Caged In podcast. Oh boy, who can believe we have made it to 30 episodes? I bloody can because there's 70 odd Nicolas Cage films out there and I'm gonna watch every last single fucking one of them. You could say I'm going to watch it to the bitter end, which leads me to the guest I have on this week's episode, who is Todd Jordan of the amazing Great Bitter End podcast, who have just finished their seventh season dissecting and picking apart the child's play of Chucky franchise. Uh, they've done some great seasons. Uh, some of my favourites have been the Nightmare on Elm Street, the Friday the 13th and the Police Academy just a few of the like seven or so seasons those guys have done and I'm much looking forward to their next season as well which is a Christmas classic of mine home alone um yeah check those guys out you can find them on Facebook which is the bitter end and you can find them on Twitter at bitter end pod and obviously on all of the podcasting apps please if you do anything from this episode subscribe to those guys just give them a try because they are great and i am so very much thankful that todd agreed to be on this episode because i'm a massive fan and i reached out to him and he said yeah I'd love to be on this episode. I'd love to talk about 8mm with you. And it was a fun conversation and a good time had all around. So, moving on to 
a new segment we have on the podcast looking at an anagram relating to the film we are about to watch to see if it gives us any little clues of what to expect of what is coming up and this week's anagram as always provided by the anagram hunter on twitter at thomas underscore w underscore hunter he has provided us with this the character name tom wells that of nicholas cage's character an anagram for that is mellowist let's see if this is cage at his mellowest or if it is him raging pumping and full throttle fucking rah well there's only one thing left to do guys and that's to get raging with a cage feels like i've been awake for days watch a film starring nicholas cage could be shit or it could be fun valley girl face off an army of one Deadpool Corner, Lord of War, The Wicker Man, Trespass, and so many more. Know how it starts, I don't know how it ends. The first ten are solo, then it's me and some friends. No distractions, no expectations. Over the weeks, hear my frustrations. I guess the podcast is about to begin. I'm your host, Petra Pasilavis, and I'm caged in. Today, we are looking at 8mm. I am not alone today. I am joined by... Todd Jordan of the Bitter End podcast. How are you, Tom? Oh, Todd, sorry. Oh, fuck. Mate. <laughs> Rude for a start. But um, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm pumped. It's, it's going to be interesting for me. I've seen 8mm. I haven't seen 7mm or 6mm <laughs> or 5mm. Well, you saying that there is actually an 8mm too. I did. I did. I did. Oh, I was, fuck. I was looking for images for this film and saw that there was... Um, yeah, like posters for an eight millimeter. Obviously, are not... you sure that's not eight mile? No, no, no. no. <laughs> that would be yeah, no. That would be great if there was an Eminem led um, sequel to this, but unfortunately, that is not the case. Uh, I don't know who it had. Had no one I recognised on the poster. I'm not sure. I can't remember this film enough to know if this left much to be desired in unanswered questions or well man it <laughs> it made a bit of an impact on me i've seen it twice to my knowledge right i think i saw it when i was about 14 and starting <laughs> to get into like spooky shit yeah, yeah yeah um and uh i know that it's written by the guy that wrote seven okay so like he obviously got like super big for his boots with seven and was then like all right i'm gonna write the world's most existential slasher <laughs> Where, you know, the true villain is man's dark heart. Well, one of the things I uh, I remember about this film, and it's very little, is the fact that the bad guy, or one of the bad guys, really likes Danzig. Yeah, fucking yeah. Glenn Danzig. Yeah. Um, he's just got, like, posters, and then there's, like, Aphex Twins Come to Daddy is all through yeah, it. I remember well, that, and when I was fucking younger, I was like, this is the most hardcore film yeah, ever, yeah. man. And then I probably would have seen Seven and gone, oh, that's what a script is supposed to be yeah, like. Yeah, definitely. Well, there's um, there's a lot of, like, cap sleeves in this as well. There's a lot of, like, black cap sleeves, T-shirts, and horrible all-black tattoos. Like, yeah. I saw an image of uh, Joaquin Phoenix with just a blacked out skull and crossbones very um almost reminded me slightly of like hackers-esque like these people would have lived in the same world like i mean dude it's 1999 yeah 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 the golden age of movies about douchebags for douchebags or like douchebag and the internet was 
a scary thing as yeah, well. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. like the subject matter of this film um, will kind of leave but a this bit. This is what's like, so bullshit because um, in the age of the internet, like who's watching porn on eight millimeter? That is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Nowadays, it would be called like MPEG. I imagine. I imagine like now, like eight millimeter porn would probably have a resurgence because of the whole like hipster movement. So like <laughs> yeah, artisanal like, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So like, oh yeah, like. Oh, yeah, I'm going on Red Tube or like you porn or something. Like that. It's like come on, I've got, I've got some slide like go right back. I've got some slides or some eight millimeter. We'll get a sheet up on the wall, get the projector out, yeah, really get to the it. Yeah, like I don't know, communal wanking though, something I just brought to my mind, which I'm very uh, sorry to bring. Time. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, this is directed by Joel Schumacher as well, um, the shoemaker himself, a man who. I believe this 1999-1997, he committed a massive sin to cinema, as a lot of people believe, in Batman and Robin. Oh, you mean the only good Batman film? (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. Are you a fan? Uh, That's the most I've ever been moved to be a fan of a Batman film. Oh, just not a Batman fan? I'm just not a Batman guy. That guy can get fucked. (laughs) But Batman and Robin, that one's all right. Yeah? Yeah, it's got a bit in the circus. It's got uh, fucking, what's his main name? Mate boy that plays Robin. He's all right. Yeah, uh, Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell, yeah. that's the guy. Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl. Uh, yeah, probably. And uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, obviously, as the yeah, bad guy. Yeah, right, thank you. Yeah, and yeah, Tommy yeah, yeah. Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I haven't seen that film since I was a kid. And I remember having fond memories of it. I only bring it up that, obviously... In the zeitgeist that is known as like the death of Batman, as it were, in the cinematic universe, that not to be brought back until Christopher Nolan got really moody and broody with it and was like, oh yeah, like here's Batman as you've never said fuck off. Well, like, he was probably trying to do the eight millimeter version. Yeah, of Batman definitely. <laughs> following on his hero Joel Schumacher's lead. Yeah. So, um, um, I guess we should just. Like knuckle down, like roll out the screen, get the projector ready. When you said roll out the screen, you know what I had in my mind there. <laughs> I had in mind you like p- putting like plastic sheeting down. Oh no no no! And no. that what this is is this is going to be like audio snuff, and you've invited me here to kill me live on mic for your listeners. No 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 no! I've actually I've actually got. Um, if you would like to come out, uh, lady number one. There's not a lady number one. There's not a lady number two. He's like, get out while you still can. I'll distract him with a DVD. Yeah. um, So we should roll up the projector screen and get the get the eight millimeter ready and get get raging with Cage. So we are back. We have watched eight millimeter. We have taken the deep dive into the seedy underworld of snuff movies i guess is what you can call it um what did you think todd mate it is (laughs) grim um it is it's i was feeling quite pumped before we watched this because uh haven't watched it for a while and you know i love a horror movie i love a horror movie and I, i love a bleak movie a bleak movie with no hope well, yeah, definitely. Like from the from like the opening shots, like one of the notes I first thing I wrote was like the color palette of this film is just grey, bleak. Like it's just 
lots of blues and greys. Like I don't know if there's like any like, filters or anything like that on the film, but it's just like it just look every dimly lit just look. Like, Nailed it, man! Because <laughs> we we mentioned Seven in the intro, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. by the same writer, and that's a very brown film, right? Seven is it's brown and dark yeah, red yeah. and rust and scabs and <laughs> mud and grimness, and this you're right, it's just like grey, like concrete, like everybody's miserable, everybody's half dead. Yeah, well, even in the most like lavish places, like you can imagine, like. Like when you think of like Hollywood or like New York, it's like they have found the locations which are like the grimiest, like the the least furthest away from like a postcard interpretation of those cities. Like, yeah. I, like you turn to me during the film and like, I don't like. I don't, LA just looks really shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, maybe these bits of it at least. But yeah, there's, I mean, and I get that, like the movie's trying to do this thing, like where it kind of draws you in and shows you the, I guess it wants to, like the subject matter of the movie itself, it wants you to kind of look at this horrible thing and feel that little um, twinge of curiosity that you have to look slightly closer at the horrible yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then... The message to me it seems to be like about how that act of looking will kind of change you. Like you can't just look and come away clean. I, and that is how I feel after watching the movie. I, I need a shower, man. <laughs> I need a shower. I, I kind of had a moment of realisation and felt a bit like taken about like, oh, fuck. Like this film is almost like a explosion of almost like a genesis of what this like... Dis- distillation of what this podcast is like like the plot is like not obviously i'm not trying to deep dive into snuff mood but like trying to deep like really go into the mire of filth that is nicholas cage like he is trying to like dive into this seedy underworld to try and find some answers that maybe he doesn't want to know the like yeah yeah doesn't want to know it's gonna change you buddy yeah i don't look too closely (laughs) Yeah, like, I think it was it Nietzsche, like, if you look into the abyss, it will look back. I often have sleepless nights just, like, tossing and turning, where I'm like, fuck, what have I let myself into? Like, um, but, yeah, let's kind of talk about what takes place in this journey our um, hero takes, or... I'll tell you what takes place. <laughs> Awful lot of Nicolas Cage taking flights to cities millions of miles apart without them ever showing you him getting on a plane or traveling in any way he's just they'll cut and he's in la then they'll cut and he's in new york and then they'll cut and he's in philadelphia and then he goes to uh uh somewhere else i can't remember where else he goes all over the bloody place yeah yeah. with the way i love miami that was it i love the way that they let you know though is by like uh, it sounds like a kind of stock sound of just a plane swooshing like a <laughs> and it's like that's it we're then like that is all you need Joel Schumacher was like ah we could have like a little kind of checking in scene or something like that it, it could have been half a day's work like just like the same airport just different like different outfits different locations of the airport I don't know something like part Flipping a passport or something, but nothing. It's just that swoosh. That whoosh, whoosh, yeah. The whooshing noise. But yeah, man, it's because uh, Raging Cage is, is a surveillance expert slash private eye, right? Yeah, he's that's a, what, yeah, yeah, that's what a I A gumshoe, if you will. Uh, but he's like a high society gumshoe. He's like doing stuff for, you know, posh people. Yeah, people, people, people who kind of... 
I felt like I wasn't sure if that is all he did, but like I felt in this case, it gave the film a very nice like this story wouldn't exist if they weren't so high society because like if we go into it that the family who employ him are as Todd said very high society and they have a very dark deep secret locked in a vault which happens to be a um a lady called Mrs. Mrs. Christian. She's that kind of American posh. You know, when Americans get so posh, they start to sound like Frasier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she talks like Frasier Crane. She reminded me, um, I don't know why, uh, she just kept reminding me of the old lady in Titanic as well. Right, like, yeah. Like, just because you kind of, like, every so often just got, like, shots back to her, just, like, l- lit by candlelight, just looking very wistfully, like, <laughs> oh, I hope everyone's okay. <laughs> Fucking not. Yeah, exactly. Um, But she has found in her safe, well, her husband's safe. Who has passed away. Yeah, oh. Good. That's what I bloody say to that. <laughs> um, not only she found cash, stocks, certificates. Oh, and uh, what's that poking around in the back of the safe? A little, little, little filmy film. Let's uh, let's pop it on the uh, pop it on the projector and see what's going on. Oh no! <sighs> it is an eight millimeter film of a uh, poor young lady, about sixteen years old. Being murdered, murdered dead. <laughs> By um, kind of a guy who, like a bondage hangman is kind of like the image, like, yeah, that's like who has a tattoo of a pentagram on his hand. Yeah, now it's it's kind of interesting the way they handle this bit, I reckon, um, because they don't really show you the film. Mm. Um, don't get me wrong, guys. I do not want to see the film. That's absolutely clear. But like at this point in the film, as we're watching eight millimeter, um, what we see instead is we see Cage's face as he watches the film, and it's just a single tear rolls down his cheek, and he just does a lot of like pounding his fist on the table, going no, no. Um, so we know that some horrible stuff. Yeah, goes down. and he comes out of the room looking like dishevelled, and is like. Repurp, like reputting himself back together, like fuck, fuck I've, I've been for a lot of shit in there, <laughs> like almost in an Ace Ventura, like I expected, like a woo, do not go in there. <laughs> um, so, and they they set it up quite like I felt in this, it set it up that he says straight away, like like any rational person would, if they found that film, you need to go to the police guys, and they're like, no, 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 no. We are high society. Our name cannot be tarnished and dragged through the mud. We need to keep this all on the hush-hush, on the DL. You are the guy to sort this fucking shit show up. And he's like, well, you know, she's probably not even dead. It's probably fake. And uh, old lady Fraser Crane basically goes, we'll give you as much money as you could possibly want. Yeah, like fucking... and." Because she just wants to know that the girl's still alive. She wants it to be fake because she loves her dearly departed husband and she wants him to be a goodie. Yeah, and she is set up as like lady exposition as well because when explaining, obviously to us, the audience, but Nicolas Cage's character explains to her, oh, this conveniently is what a snuff film is. Um, 
Do do we have to explain what a stuff film is? It's do we? footage of a murder. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. It tends to be of like a sexual nature to begin with, and then things get fucking bad. Uh, let's let's leave it at that. Um, and I think this is what makes it just feel so grimy, like compared to. I watch a lot of horror films. I watch a lot of horror films, a lot for my podcast that I do, a lot just for myself, um, you know. And um, the best ones aren't necessarily just like the... (sighs) The idea of this isn't so so much scary. I mean, it is scary. Yeah. But that's that's not the feeling that sticks with you. It's just horrible this icky like it's on your skin this really i don't know just disgusting feeling and that's kind of what starts to creep into this film here yeah it's and it's it's the art like the the answers you might find and the reasoning behind it just like it's not almost like the monsters you're looking for like because they might not be yeah they they might not be what you expect and like their reasonings might not like it might not be wrapped neatly in a bow, like I don't know, like serial killers and stuff like that, and slashers have their kind of motus operandi. They have their like they have their they have their rules and their reasonings for doing that. Whereas this kind of looks at like that almost real life horror of oh, what like what to real people like what are their real reasonings like? Yeah, if that makes it yeah. does, and uh, yeah, and that's like. So it looks at that, but and the other the other thing as mentioned is that that you were saying how this is a microcosm of of you doing the podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of you can't look at that without part of it rubbing off on you. you yeah, know? that's this this feeling, and like now I just feel like a bad person for having watched this movie. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so moving on with what the fuck happens? Um, he just hits the bricks. And he's starting to lead his investigation. He finds, um, well, he goes to just a. Pl- uh... He goes to some place where they handle the missing person yeah. bureau, right? And they give him an old-fashioned rolodex of cards with. Uh, they say something. I think it's like half a billion missing people on it, or something yeah. like that. Everyone is just a card, a name, and a photo. They're not even sorted by gender. And he has um. Yeah, because he says some of it is on computer, and he's like, apart from that, you're f- like you're thumbing through the rest of it, and it's like better roll up those roll neck sleeves and get to work, mate. And then um, we get the world's greatest thumbing through montage yeah. that I've ever seen. It's supposed to represent about two weeks of Cage's life, and it's just him looking at cards, shaking his head, going, "Oh, this is hard work." Checks out the next card. That one's a bloke. Checks out the next card. That's an old lady in her 90s. Checks out the next card. This one's a young girl. Bit of a different face, though. Flipping through, flipping through, flipping through. Montage goes on for quite a long time. But relatively, like, it seems like it doesn't really... The the passing of time doesn't really come across. Yeah. Like, that it is, like, days. I don't know. I feel like it kind of should have had... An overlay of like a ticking clock, or like yeah. you know, a classic <laughs> calendar, calendar pages yeah, coming off. off. But then I tell you what, miraculously, he put the hours in, and the hours bloody pay off, don't yeah. they? Because he finds a card and he goes, "That's my girl." I know I only saw grimy eight mil foot- footage of her once in creepy old lady Fraser Crane's house, but I can tell from this completely different looking picture of her that that is the exact same girl on this card. Not only does he have uh, the footage to go by. He kind of has an e-fit that looks like 
he's done it. It's just like kind of that is his end to this like missing in, in, uh, persons investigation place. He like kind of says to them, "This is an effort I've got. You've got a girl matching this." They're skeptical of him because. Well, he's Nicolas Cage, you fucking would be. Um, but now he has got his girl and he finds out that her name is Mary Ann Matthews and f- tracks down her mum and he goes over for a nice little chit-chat, smoking of a cigarette. He just- pretends to be an FBI agent and is like, oh, there's been some news about the about your daughter's case. Don't get your hopes up, but I need to reopen it. You know, let me in. We'll share some whiskey and chat. Um, and the mum's like, obviously her life is totally broken because her daughter disappeared and like, she's, um, you know, she's like in this permanent state of depression and she's like, my daughter never even left a note. <laughs> and then Cage like goes to the loo, looks in the loo and there's a note there. Yeah, in, 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 in the cistern of the toilet. And we find out at this point that she has been missing for six years. I think six years, man. And like... I don't know. I don't know how good Ziploc bags are. I'm sure any uh, American listeners can let me know how airtight and how durable those puppies are. But six years in a cistern, I'm surprised there's not water damage, or if not, it's completely fucked. Considering that the whole reason the mum didn't find it is because she never cleaned the toilet. Yeah. Because <laughs> it is rank, guys. Um, you would expect some sort of discoloration at the very least. Yeah, definitely. Um, but he got, he finds a note that was left for the mum, which kind of explains, again, Exposition City. Um, not only does it explain her plans to, I'm getting out of this deadbeat town and I'm hitting the big city of LA I'll show you guys I'm gonna be somebody you'll see my name in the big bright lights um it has the full name address last known whereabouts family tree dental records x-rays like hobbies of her then boyfriend Warren fucking Anderson Yes, yeah, so she's running away to the big old Tinseltown with Warren Anderson because Warren wants to be an action movie star. And I was like, cool, okay, he's going to be this like Vin Diesel type. <laughs> and then when we finally see Warren, like, because he's in jail, motherfucker, um, he's the scrawniest little wimpy little guy. There's no way he was going to be an action movie star. No wonder his dreams fell apart and he ended up in jail. Yeah, he looked like a crackhead version of Michael Pitt. Yes, yes, exactly. If only he'd gone for like a more of an art house career yeah, or yeah, yeah. possibly looked at some extra work to begin with and then get into being a character actor. Could have possibly tried his hand at some comedy. He might have been much more successful, but no, he had his eyes set on the bloody triple X4 or Yeah, whatever. exactly. He should be knocking on the day of Gu- uh, the door of Gus Van Sant, not fucking Michael Bay. Yeah, like, um... that's where he went wrong. <laughs> uh, and... He is a total prick as well. When questioned, like, oh, what happened when you guys went to LA? He's thinking, oh, that fucking bitch could be dead for all I care. I fucking dumped her ass as soon as we got to LA. She she fucking holding me back. Like, I had a meeting with Michael Bay and she was like, oh, stay in bed. And I was like, no, bitch, I'm going. <laughs> so it didn't work out. And this guy doesn't really give him any clues. Cage is like, well, do you know where she went? And he was like, no, that's it. And so now that Nicolas Cage is in L.A., he like on a hunch, he goes to a 
Porn shop, right? That's yeah. porn with an R, not a W. Yeah, and um, before this, we get a, a brilliant montage of like, say about like the, the overlay of like before. We just get an, like a shot of him just cruising like the seediest parts of LA, with, like all the neon lights, yeah. kind of girls, overlay, girls, yeah. girls, XXX, and like kind of prostitutes all over. I, I assume they could just be out for a night out. I don't nice. want yeah. to get in any deep water there. Um, oh, mate, and you know who he finds in the pawn shop. <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix. The big whack himself. Um, who is... I thought he was a great character. He's like... He kind of felt out of... The way he was playing him, though, felt really out of place almost in this really uh, moody, like, dark film. He was kind of trying to, like crack wise almost like definitely looked like he'd walked off the set of hackers like oh my god totally so yeah he's a character called max california used to be in a failed rock band called hard spank with max california (laughs) and the thing is that like he's playing it fairly understated but the whole conceit of the character of max california is supposed to be that he's far too intelligent for this town he's like Nicolas Cage keeps saying sort of like why didn't you do something with your life you're so intelligent he knows that he's intelligent because he saw him reading a book once yeah yeah, Capote he was reading Capote's uh, In Cold Blood and and he's like this kid's a genius (laughs) Uh, and the book is under the guise of like uh, the cover of anal penetration or something like that yeah I believe that is like the um, name which is really something that needed to be novelised yeah exactly like oh yeah can't wait for the hardback Um, but he has a speech at one point as well it's not really like time specific to the plot but like he kind of says that like ah working in porn is like the only career like he's like it beats working at a gas station I was like there's a lot of other things. That Those are your two working. options. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I'm at a fork in the road. I've got gas station, which conveniently happens to be on the just round that bend on the <laughs> fork of the road. Or porn, porn, porn. Like, just selling porn. Selling, uh, what are they? Uh, battery-operated vaginas, which he is... Uh, I'm, there must have been an incentive that week because <laughs> he is trying He's to upsell them. them hard, yeah. son. Um, yeah, and despite the fact that he's such a bright kid, he really knows the porn industry inside and out because once you hang around with that industry long enough, oh, man, it sucks you in. It's insidious. It's like it's like quicksand. It's like the undertow. And, in, and, and, and it's the mud of it will stick on your skin and it's stuck on... Max California. And Max is Tom? Is yeah, is Tom. Tom is Nicholas Cage. Yeah, Tom is Nicholas Cage. Um Thomas Wells or Thomas he uses another surname, which is a very clever device because I've always heard if you use like a fake name, always good to go with a little bit of truth because ah. the lie. Yeah, I heard that from a someone who works for the CIA. On oh a, my goodness, uh, not first hand, obviously, uh, not, not not that fucking important at all. Um, but he takes him takes him underground, literally underground, into this world of porn. They kind of go to one place and he's like, he's very brash about like what he's after. He's like, hey guy, like flashing the cash, like I'm after that snuff. You got a bit of that snuff. And um, they are kicked out very swiftly. Move on to a very um, questionable gentleman in his both attire and behaviour. Would you care to explain (laughs) this gentleman? 
I'm not sure I know which guy you mean. Um, well, there's a gentleman kind of scraggly long oh, hair. Oh, Mr. Nipples. Mr. Nipples. Right, yes, okay, sorry, because there's so many questionable gentlemen in this whole yeah, Sorry, thing. yeah. Uh, yeah, so the guy that kind of first is like, they're flashing the cash around, and this is, in my notebook I just wrote, this is where the movie is getting grim. Because yeah. it's just this montage of him, like, going around to these horrible, like, car boot sales and being like... What you got? You got and what you got? What's the worst thing you've got? What's the worst thing you've got? And it's, but Mister Nipples is like in this kind of leather onesie with his nipples exposed, and they're just having a conversation, and he's constantly just twiddling his nipples. Yeah, and he's like, the price I told you was like five thousand or like ten thousand. Now it's twelve thousand, and he's like. But you told me it was ten, and he's like, "Yeah, but I kind of enjoy, I kind of enjoy right, right, raising the price." And you argue with me, and it's like, "Is this his thing?" Like, I think it's his thing, man. Which, comparative to a lot of the other oh, stuff yeah, yeah, in this exactly. movie, is someone's thing. That's quite mild. Yeah, haggling. Yeah, haggling. <laughs> he's is really like, into haggling. Yeah, um, he just watches that one scene from Life of Brian. Like, oh, I imagine it would be very cheap on like your porn consumption if haggling was your like and quite quite mundane as well but it really gets bad when they go to I don't I don't even know where this would be but it kind of it is this real underground like lair looks like something I don't looks like the bottom of a castle yeah just looks fucking rank down there and it is as like Todd said. It is like a car boot sale, like the worst fucking car boot sale yeah. you could ever imagine. And everything that 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 they keep getting sold, they have to watch it, and they're like, "Oh, this is horrible! Oh, oh, it's changing me! It's so traumatic!" And then at the end of it all, they keep finding out that these movies are fake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's one where they're watching this girl get murdered, and they're like, "Oh, it looks pretty real to me." And even Max California is like, "You found your stuff. That's the real stuff." And then they go, "Oh." I'm- pop the next one in they watch it and it's the same girl so they're like that can't have been real because here she is in the next movie but then how do you know that she's not being murdered in the second one <laughs> yep yeah make a make a bluff tape he's a pretty shit detective <laughs> yeah but like um then at this car boot cell they meet like i thought he was gonna play a bigger part like a real sinister looking minister who's kind of sat at this desk like lit brilliantly kind of just like shadows half across his face and he's like he's got the real hard stuff and he's like it's 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 bad it's it's real bad and like cage is like yeah but i want i want to go badder i want to go deeper i want to go i want to i want that snuff man and like he just delivers this brilliant line like just kind of snuff ain't real and it's like that's when you know like this, these, the, this is bad. Like, and before that as well, he put his thumbing technique to perfect use when he was thumbing through. Like, he did, I don't think he had to do this. He thumbs through like a load of photos with like, oh, it's fucking horrible because there's, a, there's like. Uh, like those signs you see, like homeless people, like Sharpie mm. on a bit, bit of raggedy old cardboard, just says kids. And I don't know why, like, it's not even that deep. It's It's quite early in the film, and I think, obviously, this is... Right, so there's a, there's a heavy burden with this movie, okay? Like, so it's it's a reasonably well constructed kind of crime noir mystery yeah. with some sort of grisly horror overtones, and it works on that level. 
it, 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 I think it doesn't do a particularly good job of like addressing some of the more like social quandaries of like the voyeurism of going down into this underbelly and, oh, yeah, and yeah, how yeah. that industry works. It kind of glosses over a lot of that for the purposes of moving the plot along. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no. Uh... It's like, oh, we could dwell on on sort of the reasons and the meanings and what the responsibility of society is and all of this stuff, which you know a lot of possibly dare I say more accomplished filmmakers than Mr. Shoemaker might be able to I know that's not how I'm just to keep thinking of elves and the shoemaker um then then him they might be able to do that but he's like well you know we could have this or we can get to the fucking chase 20 minutes earlier and already I do think that at two minutes two already I do think that at two hours three minutes this movie could it's do with back. being yeah, 20 yeah, minutes yeah. shorter so yeah man this is one of those bits where I'm like I don't feel good about this movie. And it's not even just that like the movie is showing me such a shocking vision of yeah, reality. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes me feel bad. Just the movie makes me feel bad. There's like a half assed attempt, I think, when they are watching like the they're watching the what turns out to be the fake snuff where like Max is like, Oh do you wanna do you wanna just take a break, man? But like doesn't I don't think that's enough to no. be like condemn this like it's not like not you should condemn like but as you were saying like the social implication like, like well it's real stuff to an extent like yeah and that's the thing and i like the movie sets itself up as being very existential like you said there's a lot of stuff about him trying to find the monsters and the reasons why yeah. and sometimes they're just normal people and all of this and, and that's the that's the point of the movie it's existential bad stuff just happens because because bad stuff happens, right? And that's true in life. Bad stuff happens because <laughs> bad stuff happens. And sometimes people do bad things because they're just bad people. But, like, I know that. I live in the world and yeah, it's yeah, horrible. Yeah. And that's... I'm not saying that all movies need to be escapist. But, like, that's not much of a point. Yeah, you need you need a bit you need a bit more... Like, you need a bit more than yeah. just that. Like, that's like going up to someone going, you're a prick because I hate you. Yeah, well, like, yeah. That your reasoning does not follow through. It definitely it makes you. It's quite. It's quite unfulfilling in that. Like, I don't know. Like, I found like we'll get to what happens at the end. But when it got to the end, it was kind of a bit like, oh. Yeah, I think it's yeah. supposed to be a real like ph- philosophical gut punch. Yeah, but it's kind of a bit more like I don't know, like a bit of a a, a whimper. Like I wasn't like. Yeah. I don't know. I don't feel knotted up inside. I but hear you, bro. I've seen. Some, yeah, I've seen some fucking dark shit um we're getting ahead of ourselves yeah 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 um so he like tom then goes to a i believe it's like a a hostel it's a convent yeah yeah and had a little chat with the nuns uh not for snuff this time Uh, he's after a bit of information on marianne he's like do you guys know anything about this lady and like oh well come down to this room that we have full of Hundreds of suitcases <laughs> of anyone who's ever stayed here, and like that one's hers. Yeah, that one, <laughs> the the real bright white floral one. That's the one you're looking for. That belongs to that one girl that stayed here six years ago. Yes, of course I remember. <laughs> here you go. We were holding it for you. Yeah, and I hope you can get it to anyone like her family or something like that. So he flicks through the little suitcase, and what does he find? He finds a note. And uh, finds a few phone numbers and he starts like hitting the trail, hits a few bum notes, hit a few dead ends, and then finds that one of them is for a like 
porn company called um, Celebrity Films. Oh, Celebrity Films, and that's it. He's out the door. He's going down to Celebrity Films to see what the fuck is going down, and it's just adorned like it's littered with just girls skimpily like dressed like kind of you know what you're in for as soon as you get there and then we're introduced to eddie played by james gandolfini baby yeah tony soprano himself oh the bloody the the late great i would say like he's too good an actor to be in this movie and i quite like this movie I kind of yeah that that is a thing about a lot of these actors like have gone on to do um really good stuff like in some cases not mention any names <laughs> Nicolas Cage um their better days might be behind them but um that is obviously for me to find out throughout this journey um and yeah he is fucking wild like he just likes Boning, but yeah. like he on on first on first we meet him, he just seems he's a sleazy guy, but he doesn't seem like a crazy kinky snuff murderer. No, no, no. He just seems like he likes boning girls, cocaine, and money. That's those are the, those are the three things that get him up in the morning. And the way they let you know that is by like his his sideburns have a real like defined point, like halfway down the cheek, and. Yeah, there's some interesting facial hair in this one. And that is not the craziest whatsoever. But his poker face is fucking crap. It's chump. Dude needs to work on his poker face because Cage rocks up, shows him the picture, is like, hey, I'm looking for this girl. And he just goes, a single bead of sweat appears on his forehead. He goes completely ashen white and he goes, nah, I ain't seen her. And then like, when pushed over, he's like, I fucking told you I saw the photo. I still haven't seen her. And he is shit in it um but after the uh, after that he de- begins to tail him and he like, taps his phone yeah and he's kind of listening to his calls figuring out what's going on and then like follows him to a porn set in the hollywood hills it's real like dank looking isn't it it's real empty fun. swimming pool full of dead leaves yeah and um this is a uh, a shot I didn't feel like they needed in this film, but obviously for for balance sake, um, we get a nice full dong shot uh, of a male performer just before they're about to get to it. Obviously, I don't know if this had a lasting effect on uh, Thomas, uh, yeah, on Cage's like psyche. For us. this whole bit could be cut because yeah, definitely we see him tap tap James Gand- Gandolfini's phone. We see him go to the porn shoot and watch some porn. Then we see him go home. Then we see James Gandolfini come home. And then Cage phones up James Gandolfini, puts on a scary voice. And it's like, I know what you did. I know what you did with that girl, with yeah. that girl that you killed six years ago. And then he hangs up the phone and then he watches what Gandolfini does. Well, he like, and like the brilliant way he like does it as well. He's like, you're fucked. They're fucked. You're all fucked. <laughs> um, yeah. And then he's got a point. Yeah. He's there in like the conveniently empty like apartment opposite his office if you're gonna do shady stuff make sure that you also rent the apartment opposite so nobody else can do it yeah no no one can look in no one can like there can't be any twitchy blinds just fucking rent out the whole block come on (laughs) Uh, um he then calls someone like real shook up he's like 
fuck, he's on to us. Like he's gonna, he's gonna get us. We're real fucked this time. Like one of us has got to fly over. We've got to talk about this in person. We can't, we can't talk about this right now. Um, to get the response, like, oh, shut the fuck up, you paranoid dickhead. Something along that line. And then um, Cage is talking to our main man, Max, and is kind of going, oh, do you know, do you know who this... Because he recorded the bleeps on the phone call, on the phone call, and he uh, you, you, on those old touchstone phones, it's like beep boop 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 yeah, boop, yeah. and he's like, okay, well, I know the tune of that, and he works it out from that what the phone number is, and then he like backlists the phone number, and he finds out it's registered to a Mister Dino Velvet. <laughs> uh, Dino Velvet, he's amazing. Not actually Dino the dinosaur, but does actually wear velvet. Yeah, yeah, the velvet um, fog. Um, <laughs> And uh, fucking Max California goes, oh, yeah, of course, Dino Velvet. He's the guy that makes all of those really horrible bondage porn films. Yeah. Probably should have mentioned that to you as soon as I knew you were looking for this kind of thing, really. But that would have saved us 45 minutes of runtime. Yeah. And he's like, oh, who's the guy? Who's the guy with the, uh, like, tattoo? Like, after watching some of his work, he's like, who's the guy with the tattoo on his hand? And he's like, oh, that's the machine. And he's like, oh, well, you've had that information about a guy with a tattoo on his hand way before any of this you could have just figured out who that guy was and then mm. kind of skipped over a whole lot of this shit um but they like and he is known dino velvet i wrote this down because he's known as the jim jarmusch of porn uh, <laughs> <laughs> or jim jarmusch yeah like oh fuck uh what does that mean does that just mean that it's full of unnecessary celebrity cameo yeah or like <laughs> like arty or something like that or i don't know like I, I don't it's in black and white I yeah. don't, I'm not sure like I'm not sure what, yeah I've, well maybe it just means that he uh, lives in New York because that is where they go yeah. they, they you hear that whooshing sound goes whoosh and then suddenly they're in New York and he's brought Max California with him to help him kind of pass in the porn world and they've set up a meeting with Big D Dino Velvet the Velvet Machine and his office is fucking out of this it is like a props warehouse almost of like seedy things for a like for a porn uh, porn uh, owner's office we've got everything we've got these weird like plastic marble-esque looking statues of god knows what and we find out as well that he is into the bespoke porn world um yes he will accept commissions which is handy because uh, Cage got an exposition phone call from Mrs. Fraser Crane to explain that, oh, oh yes, well, I've found, gone through my late husband's books and I found that he paid exactly one million dollars to a mysterious gentleman more or less six years ago. And it's the only transaction he ever made in his life. Yeah, he's not a man who deals in cash. Mm. And that is what has led them to this meeting in this office in New York with the Velvet Fog, Dino Velvet. Um, it always sounds like a T and another guy with fucking great facial hair. Oh, yeah. So it's Peter, is it Stormare? Stormare, yeah, Something yeah. Something like that. Yeah, because I, I, I've been watching American Gods and he's in that. He plays the God of Death and he's <laughs> this like amazing Russian guy with this hammer that bleeds. He's baller in it yeah. he's pretty good in this yeah he's fucking he, he's also got this kind of like vlad the impaler image like this kind of he's got a bit of a skullet going on like 
he's looking fucking gnarly and he's just looking he looks sleaze like there's just sleaze oozing out of him but they have a conversation about i've got five grand cash now i'll give you five grand later i've got i want a black girl i want a white girl and i want that that fella like kind of stumbles about like what do you call him the 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 McKean the McKean like I'm after that guy and he's like oh the machine my number one guy and he has two stipulations which are he gets to watch the porn being made the machine has to be there in person yeah 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 and so they set up this whole thing man so it's the deal's gonna go down he's like this is incredibly irresponsible by the way because what he's basically doing is commissioning a suspected murderer to find two girls for the purposes of murdering them so that he can just watch and be like, yep, that's the bloke. Now I've seen you done a murder. You're going down. (laughs) What about those two girls? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I imagine the 10, I imagine $10,000 is not what it takes for for the murder. And hopefully, hopefully that isn't the case. He's just going to stub their toes or something. I don't think they're going to have a great time, Maybe this would have been a legit, like, porn film. I'm not sure. Uh, that, yeah. Turns out though that Dino is not legit because he fucking double crosses him. Yeah, um, Nicholas Cage turns up, machines there. He's like, right, I'm ready to see you go to work. And then they get out, not the girls, but his mate Max California, who is tied, gagged, and like bound, bleeding. Yeah, bloody beaten, looking fucking shit. Um, and they give him not only is he as he turned up the fucking lawyer from the beginning who's um looking after lady exposition old like me, me, yeah, oh oh he's my lovely lawyer i didn't trust him um you know why i didn't trust him because he's played by the same dude that's the um evil uh psychiatrist in uh, silence of the lambs yeah i i sometimes feel like castings like that if they yeah. are um if someone's in a role where they um, it almost seems too beneath them, it's like, yeah, I know you're gonna like. I always feel like se- um, Seven was ruined for me because as soon as I heard the murderer's voice, it's like it's Kevin Spacey. Like he's yeah. got one of the most distinctive voices in Hollywood. Sorry if I've just ruined uh, Seven yeah, for you guys. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's pulled out. Eddie's pulled out. He's there to. Um, finger um cage not in that way easy (laughs) so the lawyer's there because turns out he was the one that that commissioned the original million dollar snuff movie for the 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 late deceased mr christian and he's been on nicholas cage's tail the whole time he hired him because he thought he was going to be crap yeah he thought he's gonna be an incompetent young fool but he just wanted the story to die but unfortunately cage was too fucking on it man yeah, he's, he's turning over every stone to see what is going down. And they give him an ultimatum. They're like, right, so you either give us the film or Max is brown bread, mate. We've got him against a cro- cross. A giant wooden crucifix. Yeah. And Dino Valve has got a crossbow. Yeah. like Yes, mate. Really nailing home that kind of, I don't know. 17th century vibe he's got going on of being some kind of you could just see him in a kind of renaissance painting draped with women and wine being spilt everywhere yeah this is aesthetic it's very yeah vlad the empire yeah yeah, yeah. Right? it's that kind of, yeah um 
And he goes to the car where our man, lawyer Longdon or... Langdale or something. Langdale, yeah, Lawndale is saying like, you're, you're a piece of shit. Like, we don't fucking... Like, I'm going to kill you, basically. Like, I just... Give, give me the tape and we're fucking done with. And Cage just keeps going... Why did Mr. Christian want this film? Why? What did he? What did he want it for? And um, uh, Matey Boy Lawyer is just like he just wanted it because he could have it. Yeah, it's like this is supposed to be one of those bum, dun dun dun, like yeah, just a real kind of no, my I've taken a psychic knockback. What? <laughs> but it's just a bit like um, that's that's your best shot, is it? Or like, but like if that's what. He didn't even need to ask the question because we kind of knew that. There was never going to be like a weird twist of why he yeah, wanted yeah, yeah. it. He wanted it to watch it because he was fucked up. Right? Like yeah. what, what else was it going to be? Yeah, and this is like, I felt like that reveal there though kind of really dampened something that happens later mm. on. Because... Um, mm. I hear you, buddy. Yeah, and he goes back in and I have actually drawn a uh, diorama of what happens when he goes back in. Um, because as he returns, they kill Max and it is revealed once Cage is chained to a bed that he's like, Langdon, what about the million dollars? What about the million dollars you paid these guys to make this film? I bet you guys fucking loved it why are you not living it high with that million dollars you got because you got paid a million dollars didn't you <laughs> they paid you a million dollars and they're like what, what million dollars we got we got we got a tenner and a mcdonald's like well this guy this guy and he's edging out the lawyer's edging out like i don't know what you're talking about it wasn't me and then shit gets hairy so it kind of turns into like that like this reservoir dogs scenario where they're all turning on each yeah, other yeah, yeah it's like um Oh, Mexican standoff-esque thing. Yeah, like. meanwhile, Cage is in the middle of all of it, handcuffed to a freaking chair. Uh, lawyer gets shot. Um, with a uh, crossbow. With a crossbow. Dino Velvet gets shot in the neck, and he goes like, no, I was supposed to die in a more cinematic fashion. <laughs> and I, I thought he was going to be the big villain. So yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah, it's not that cinematic a death. He's just like shot in the neck, and then his eyes roll back, and he's like, I'd die. <laughs> And then you have the machine to his uh, left, and you have Eddie to his right. And Eddie's Gandolfini, just to yeah, recap, yeah. yeah. And things then take a turn where, obviously, Dino, the kingpin of it all, is kind of down, and the two buffoons are left to pick up the pieces. And Eddie tries to go for the lawyer's gun, whilst the machine is kind of sharpening his knife, getting ready to fuck up Cage. Cage is edging over towards the table where his convenient gun is placed upon a towel and his bullets are all laid out neatly. Very, very close, but just far enough that it's going to be a bit of a struggle. And to get to him, he's going to have to make a little bit of commotion and the banging sound is going to startle them so much that they're going to turn around and go... That's it, we're going to fucking get you now, you dickhead. Um, but then he's got a conundrum because he gets the gun, but there's only one bullet. Only one bullet. He's got Gandolfini, he's got the big mean machine, he's got one bullet. What does he do? What does he do? He shoots the handcuffs so he can get away. Clever lad. 
not before stabbing the machine in the stomach with a convenient kebab skewer he had hidden in the boot of his car. Yeah. That's the only way I can describe what he had. Like it didn't look wasn't a knife, was it? I think it it's of... some either an ice pick or oh, like one of those smaller tools that I believe is called a braddle. They sell them in B and Q. Okay. It's for making little it's like those if you want to make a hole for where you're going to put a screw later. Yes, yeah, okay, okay. I had to uh, buy one recently. A man who is much more versed in DIY than myself. Everything in my flat is held up by command strips. A uh, very handy tool. If you're listening, uh, command strips. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be sponsored by Braddles. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. The general tool. When I bought it, the guy in B&Q was like, do be careful with that. It's like about as long as a pencil. It's incredibly sharp. And I looked at it and it's just the most terrifying tool. I don't even like knowing that it's in my house. <laughs> so, especially now that Nicolas Cage impaled a man's stomach and left him bleeding in a disused warehouse in the middle of New York. Or- yeah. <laughs> but then Cage seizes the moment and he goes, Fuck! Fuck! I'm getting out of here! Holy shit! And he doesn't like sneak away, he just runs going, And he gets in the car and he calls his wife. We've not even really mentioned the wife, but he's got a wife. And he calls her up and he goes, You've got to run away, you've got to run away, you've got to go, run away. Go, go to our holiday home in Bumfuckville, USA. Hide out there, I'll be three hours. Don't you worry about it. And then he calls up old Mrs. Christensen to let her know your worst fears are true. Your husband was a dirty, low-down, snuff-purchaser prick. Oh, sorry. He was <laughs> a Johnny Wrongen. Yeah. Um, and this is a moment I want to mention because as he's running out, the soundtrack is kind of... Oh, it's like microtonal, like bagpipe, Indian S bagpipe sound, mm-hmm. and like just kind of mental drumming going on. And the scene before, I'm pretty sure we had like some Nine Inch Nails esque yes. like music. And yeah, do you want to like. Well, Matt, but just the score is all over the shop, and the thing is that no one section of it is bad. Like it's quite, it's quite artfully handled, but there's like zero consistency from scene to scene. And just when they want it to be like, yeah, it's the late '90s, and Trent Reznor is cool, and this guy's got black trousers on, so we're going to be like drum machines and fucking bom 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 bam that kind of thing. We'll do that, but then like when some horror's happening, maybe we'll like sample some middle. East in folk singing and, and like do some tribal drumming and it'll be like <laughs> like all of that going on but then when there's an emotional bit we'll get an orchestra in it'll be like <laughs> the film started off with like pick a, one a real nice like flute and I was like oh this is quite it's quite mysterious this is quite like oh where's this gonna go and I thought if it had kept that kind of because you looked at me straight away and was like oh I wonder who did this score because if it had kept that kind of classic like orchestral score i think it would have made this like any one of them i, I wouldn't have minded yeah. if it was nine inch nails the whole way i wouldn't have minded if it was middle eastern folk the whole way i'm fucking looking up who did it <laughs> carry on and i will meet you in a minute no worries um and then he goes back to his wife in this hovel and it's like oh she's like take a take a fucking look at yourself in the mirror you look like shit and this is almost like a moment in the film where it's like 
almost like, hey, how about you as an audience take a quick loo break and you look at yourself, see how dirty you feel from what you have seen. Like a kind of, I don't, I kind of felt like it was a moment where it was a time to breathe because you'd had this kind of explosion of violence and you'd had the revelation that Mr. Christian wanted the tape for no other reason than I've got a spare million dollars, let's get a snuff film made, can it happen? And this was kind of like, let's cool down, let's regroup, let's see what the fuck is going on with ourselves. And yeah, it kind of, I'm saying this like it was a good part. It kind of just felt like lulled here. It's a bit of a lull. It's supposed to be like underlining the peril, I think. It's like he got too deep. He was originally quite cold to his wife at the start of the movie. Like now he's realized what's important. He's in too deep. He's just trying to sort it out and then he'll get out. I have to add, as a little juncture at this point, the music is done by a guy called Michael Danner, and the top credit on his IMDb page is Pixar's The Good Dinosaur. Ooh. (laughs) Back to the plot. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, it's meant to be, like, about, like, oh, you know, what is... Here is kind of the folly, right? This is the turning point for him, because in theory, if he just stops here, everything was maybe going to be okay. I think that's the implication. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't necessarily look like Machine or James Gandolfini are oh. going to come after Cage, but like he can't leave it alone. Especially when he gets... He had arranged with Mrs. Christian that he would like go see her that evening and arriving at her door, her lovely butler, who I can only assume is called Jeeves or Alfred or any other distinctly stereotypical name, um, informs him that... She is dead. She was taken by her own hand. She couldn't handle it, ma'am. She couldn't handle the guilt of knowing that the man she loved was such a such a, a brutal knob. <laughs> and um, she conveniently left two envelopes which are addressed for the mother of Mary Ann and for Nicolas Cage himself. Uh, Thomas Wells, obviously not just for this. Uh, let's break the fourth wall here. And Mrs. Hand, Cage, yeah, <laughs> Mrs. Whatever his real name is, um, and he's like, it's almost like his Godfather moment. Like he was out, and it's like just when he thought he was out, they pull him back in. He's, or it's more he pulls himself back yeah, in. Yeah, though, yeah. is the thing. You know, it's his downfall. So, because he he does go under a real downfall, he gets on another fucking whooshy flight out to Hollywood <laughs> just to kick the shit out of Gandalfini, who's also somehow gotten back there inc- incredibly quickly. Yeah, he's he's loading up a car full of like porn as you do some because he's going to do a runner, I think, going to hiding or yeah, something. Some gas in there as well. Um, but he was in New York earlier, so he had to yeah, fly surely, back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. If he yeah. wanted to disappear, couldn't he have just disappeared from New York? Yeah, he had to go home and get all of his personal quick flight to Canada. Yeah, <laughs> living, living, living in the mountains for the rest of your life. Um, but obviously, he wanted all that porn to take with him. He's like, I've amassed such a collection over the years. Sentimental. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What about the first one I ever had a part in, like getting produced? Um, and then he takes him. He's like, "You are going to take me to where you committed this heinous crime." We're going there now, which kind of is what you would expect it to be. It's a derelict, spray-paint-ridden hole in the outskirts of L.A. and 
he like ties Gandolfini up and he's like, tell me what, tell me what you did to her. And he's like, well, we took her here and then we killed her. Yeah. And he's like, again, it's another realisation that, oh, there's no, there's no grand scheme to this. There's no, they're not monsters. Well, they are monsters, but they're not like, they don't have a lot. There's no logic behind it. Or it's just like, yeah. We just did it. We just- well, because I think there's, there's supposed to be quite a key um, difference between the character of Machine and why he kills and the character of Gandolfini who during the speech he basically says well I kind of did it for money basically yeah yeah and he's like and he was just a voyeur like to it but he He didn't even really like watching it he was just like no it made me sick but you know dollar dollar bill (laughs) y'all and he performs one of the weirdest acts I have seen committed to film which is uh, when Cage is waggling a gun in his face. He just licks the end of the barrel and he's like, do it. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot me. Yeah. Shoot me. Um, and this is a super, a super important crux in, in Cage's character's uh, development because he's like, he chickens out. He can't do it. He's not yeah, a killer. Yeah, he's yeah. just a detective. But he goes outside. He has a bit of a cry and he phones up Mrs. Matthews, the, the mother of the dead girl in the middle of the night. And, and he's like, I found them. I found your daughter's dead. I'm really sorry to tell you. It's the middle of the night. Your daughter's dead. I'm, I'm sorry. But these guys killed her. And I've got one of them here. What should I do? Do you want me to kill them? And she's like, I'm really sleepy and sad. What are you talking about? And he's just like, I, I need you to give me permission to kill them. And she's like, yawn, yawn, cry, cry. And he's like, just say that you loved her. And she goes, yeah, I loved her. Boo hoo. And then he's like, right, that's all I needed. Because yeah. I think the thing is, he's been hanging around in this environment so much, he wants to kill him. That's yeah, the yeah, thing. Definitely, he wants yeah, yeah. to do it. And so he, he contrives this permission and then he, then he bloody does it. Uh, yeah, he covers him in the porn. And fucking lights him up before before that, smashing his face in with the butt of a gun. He's just gone feral. He's just like, I don't, I felt like, yeah, it was just like this, but that could have been a whole film of itself, of, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Like a revenge, like, like a classic, a classic revenge. Yeah, 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 yeah like uh, Death Wish or something like that. Like, And I think this is, again, like, not the... Not that the film is really trying to say that much, no, although no. it bloody wants to. It's certainly got a high opinion of itself. Um, but, you know, you've got your Gandalfini, he kills for money. You've got Machine, he kills for personal gratification. And then you've got your third type, which is Cage, who here is killing for, like, justice. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. A moral obligation, supposedly. Which, And whether he has that moral obligation or not, you know, is he manufacturing it for his own needs? Yeah, for, for almost his gratification. Yeah. That- the world is not as he wants it to be or sees fit for the world to be. Oh, like. mate, yeah, it's about as deep as a 17-year-old that's read two books. <laughs> and um, he then moves on to find out, like, who the fuck the machine is. And this is probably the best bit of investigating he does. Yeah. He... But it is, like, page one, like... Detective, detective work for dummies, like, that's right there. If you're looking for someone who's been in an accident, call up all the hospitals. Did anyone be stabbed with a B&Q brattle yeah. in the abdomen <laughs> in the New York area yesterday? And first couple of people, no, no. Next person, someone got stabbed with a B&Q brattle, but it was two days ago. Oh, no, that's too, that's too early. And then someone's got the exact 
exact right guy. Yeah, we had a Bradle stabbing in the New York area on that exact day. Yeah, he had a star tattoo on his hand, actually. Yeah, you're just a bloke on the phone. Do you want his, do you want his name and address? Yeah, he's registered his mum's house. Goes, and then that's it. At the cover of darkness, Cage is lurking about in the suburbs of New York, and he finds out where the machine lives, whose name is George. Boring old George. George Higgins. And he's he's out there, he's lurking about. He can hit like he hears that the mum is off out for an excursion. She's having a she's a night out in the town. She's like, Don't worry, George, I'll be back by half ten. And then he's like, Right, that's it. I've got my time to pounce. He slips in through the basement window, creeps about to the sound of Aphex Twin Come to Daddy, which we find out is being played on vinyl in the machine's bedroom, which is that of a 15-year-old metal fan. It's full of Glenn Danzig posters and stickers, and he's got a pet spider. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, he's he's essentially Buzz from Home Alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, um, like, the record is skipping... And, like, I thought this was, like... Because when it kicks back in, like, the record unjams itself, and that's it. The fucking machine is there. He's got his gimp mask on. He's ready to fucking get Larry and have it out with our boy Raging Cage. They end up scuffling about the house, and things take a turn. They go through the window. Yeah. And, like... They land in the cemetery, which is conveniently yeah, right yeah. next door. <laughs> They're literally fighting amongst the gravestones. And uh, Cage makes the machine take his mask off. And he's just a nerdy looking bloke with glasses that he had in his pocket the whole time. And he's like, my name's George. I'm a big dweeb. You want to know why I kill people? I just do it yeah. because I like doing it. And we're supposed to be like, no, the horror of the universe. No, my worldview. No, <laughs> it's been shattered. But again, we already had that exact same scene earlier yeah, yeah, with yeah, the lawyer. With... I don't know. What do you think? I thought like this. Yeah, I thought that that kind of scene where we found out that Mister Christian had bought like the porn for yeah. for just whatever. That is the same as this at the end. So it's like, oh, we've kind of seen this, seen this twist. Like, um, I don't know. It's like finding out that someone is a ghost halfway through a film um, starring Bruce Willis. Um, <laughs> um, and then and then telling that someone else is a ghost at the end, it's like, well, we've already established that ghosts exist. Like, we've already established that, like, kind of people do stuff for no other reasons than just doing it. And like you said earlier, we live in a world where we just see fucked up shit happen for no other apparent yeah. reason than people enjoy to do it. And yeah, it's not like, not that I expect a nice, like a real fucking, whoa, it was aliens or like there's a crazy twist. But... I think the problem is it's presented as if it's a twist. Yeah. So you just get this mental disconnect, like maybe because we've seen, we're so used to seeing twisty films, but like this information is given to us and the music swells and Cage is like, no, like as if it's this Luke, I am your father moment. Well, and even the machine has a line, which is like almost addressing the audience in like, 
oh, I'm not what you're expecting, am I? I like it. Spell it just spells it all out. Yeah. It's just like, oh, I'm not the monster. I was never. I was never molested. I was never like abused. Like, I just like yeah. I just do it for for whatever reason. Like for no reason whatsoever. And it's just like I get the point. It's just ham fisted storytelling. Yeah, it's just a bit the of... point is fine and that can stand. But just like they really fucking. Mr. Elf and the Shoemaker, there like it's too much eggy pudding in his in his overegged pudding there. Well, I st- yeah, I just I I just didn't care by the time we got to like I just didn't care who the machine was like no. I didn't care his re- like I didn't feel like any reason would have been like oh, oh like <laughs> yeah like oh that's really that's really put it into yeah. perspective. It's like, not it's not a mystery by this point, but it gets resolved because Cage just nobbles him dead. Yeah. Nobles he nobbles him dead and then returns home to his idyllic house in the suburbs. And this bit is the more... This bit stuck with me more, the way he comes home. So, like, he comes home, he comes through the door, and he's just, like, completely devastated, like, crying like a baby. And he finds his, his beautiful wife who's there with the baby, and he goes into his wife's arms, and he's just, like, completely shaking. I would describe Nicolas Cage as attempting to act <laughs> which is quite a big deal and um he just says two words to his wife he just says save me save me so we got to think like save me from what like save me from the big dark universe like that's just full of horrors or is it like save me because i've now murdered two people yeah save me from myself yeah it's I'm, what it's what the, I, the reading i got from yeah. it was like, or is it just like just get this filthy feeling off me which is how i felt after watching yeah yeah, yeah it's like i don't sometimes 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 you just want a nice a nice cuddle don't yeah, you like, right. like, like you just, not I a lot of cuddling that. in this movie uh, yeah i think it is just like that maybe that saved me is just uh i don't sometimes i get really hung over i would just like someone to like just cuddle me and go it's gonna be all right mate yeah and like and that, this that's scene a, i think is, is done the opposite of the previous one this one i think is done really well like it would have been a, a lesser script writer would have probably given him a big speech there or, yeah, yeah, yeah or given the speech to his wife to be like well you see you have to come home because look at everything that we have here or whatever but it's just with those two words and just cage bawling his eyes out <laughs> and then the film is Finished with a scene of a letter that Cage receives from uh, Marianne, Mrs. Matthews, uh, Marianne's mother, Mrs. Matthews. Sorry, just, just yeah, just, like that. Whoa. Dead, I'm afraid, Whoa, mate. that's the big twist, guys. She's alive. <laughs> <laughs> Hand out of the grave. Um, and she says, thanks for the money. Like, maybe me and you were the only people who ever cared about Marianne. Thank you for everything you've done. I'm glad to know your real name. Like, so long. Like, uh... And then the credits roll. Yeah. That last shot wasn't strictly necessary. I, like, it's nice to know that the, the mum is thankful, but I probably could have assumed that. Well, I think this is, like, indicative of, like, we talked about, like, well, I had done a little bit of research before someone had... Yeah, that, that this film was kind of reined in by Joel Schumacher and the like, writer had had plans for something a bit more, like, a, a lot more darker, which I don't really, I don't know what, in what way, like... It's pretty dark. Yeah, I'm not sure whether, like, I don't know, or, like, it had more of just a, a maybe, like, a fucked up ending or, or like, mm. he never learnt his lesson or mm-hmm. anything like that, like... 
that he just went off and that was it. Like maybe he'd like end like oh maybe it's maybe he would have ended up like joining in with them and being like actually now I've hung out with you guys you seem pretty sound. I'm yeah, and that's what I think. I think the dive just like by the end of it he's like he's in he's fully in he's like he's been jumped into the gang he's got his colours on like he's gang banging and doing his fang like. <laughs> and maybe that's the point he would have made I don't know if that would have made it a better film no 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 I'm not saying that but like that yeah. definitely would have made it like darker really pushed home that existential mm. like we're all fucked even if you try and do good well it's not gonna ha- work out in the end like there is no redemption for you you're no, just no. fucked <laughs> and then the credits roll yeah so and then that's it that is eight millimeter and it is time to find out what the fuck the internet says about this film mm. um i wonder if there's a big difference between like how the internet rates it now and how it was reviewed on release because i can't remember if this was um re- well received when it came out so i like to now look at whatever free scores okay. i get on google um and they happen to be this week IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, and a man I really like to know which way his thumbs are pointing, and that is Mr. Roger Ebert. Um, so IMDb, um, which way do you think this would be swinging? Oh, mate. Well, IMDb is a harsh mistress. I'm going to call this in the mid sixes, six point five. Six point five on the button. Oh yes. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, however, not so favourable towards this film at 22%. Ouch, that seems harsh. Yeah, like, I'm not sure. It's not a masterpiece, but like... It's not a 22%, I don't it in feel. the 40s. Yeah, I've, de- I've definitely seen some higher rated dirge. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> that, that was, um, But we are, however, brought back up by our good mate, Roger Ebert, giving it three thumbs up out of four. So I, I've seen pictures of Roger Ebert. He only has two hands. Yes, yes. Where's yeah. he getting the extra thumbs from? He uses Siskel, his uh, uh, partner. Right, the so, late, the late great uh, Siskel, I believe, no longer with us, or is it Roger Ebert? Roger Ebert there? is no longer with us. Oh, yeah, Siskel's still out there. Fucking. Okay. Only put into he only has a rating of two now. He hasn't got the other two thumbs to make Aww. it a full thing. Now I'm sad again. Yeah, uh, just those fingers. <laughs> I give this uh, five fingers out of ten. Um, but yeah, that is that is what the internet felt about. Do you feel like they were harsh towards this film or like? Well, again, so I feel like the Roger Ebert score would have been more at the time, right? He's not revisiting it to give it. A, a fresher no no no, no yeah, so yeah. i think at the time this movie came out especially off the back of like seven hype and um uh like joel schumacher like attempting to do a very serious film after batman and robin this is a serious for adults movie um you know there would have been a lot of hype and people would have wanted to like it probably especially in the face of it being a movie that kind of defies you to like it to an extent it yeah, kind of yeah. wants to put you off so there's a certain bravery in going to see that movie leaving the cinema and being like yeah i liked it yeah you guys are all being like <laughs> squeamish about it you guys are the wimps i'm the cool one because i liked it so there's that feeling but like over time and the internet and i think people are a bit more desensitized now and well, it's- I, f- I feel like in like this i don't feel like a lot of people 
I don't know. There's the, like the glaring holes in this that obviously this isn't a film like that kind of relates that much to mm-hmm. like today because obviously the it's internet set... would have blown it out of the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and said, it's yeah. kind of like I said quite early on, like when he was looking for the girl, like all he needed to do, like nowadays, would be like a reverse Google search on her image, and then bang, that's her. Like we know who she is. We don't have to meet any scummy ex-boyfriends. We don't have to be looking at any cisterns or anything like that. Like bang, we're we're sorted no thumbing through photos um so we don't care I, well yeah i don't really care about what um the internet has to say about it only in that i like to know what you guys the listener think about this film and first of all i'm going to go to my good old mate al with a bit more of his wacky shit um on what he has to say about Nicolas cage films And he has to say these lovely words here. Like a very bad snuff film, but highly entertaining. Sign him up. Sign him up, guys. Get him a job at um, any reputable uh, reviewing station. Um, Mark Commode happens to um, move on from Five Live. Here's your man. His name is Al. Get in contact and I will give you his details. Um, And then we have... well. Todd was lovely enough to pop it on his Twitter if anyone had seen this film and got a couple of um, responses from one from Joshua Warren who originally just said yeah it's, it's good like it's good and I was like oh, do you care to elaborate like that doesn't make for much go I'll show you that that doesn't really make for good uh, good podcast like this person said good um, but came with a solid like response which is a solid late 90s hollywood thriller about snuff films starring nicholas cage what's not to love well we have discussed a few things that were not to love um and then we have another one from todd's pantheon of friends which is yeah this is from the twitter user pukey who uh (laughs) tweeted me to say i saw it in a theater 20 years back so hang on this was 99 right so pukey you are lying (laughs) at at most 18 years um what i remember takes place in a small town in pennsylvania well partly in a basement yeah well partly with some glitch effects are you thinking of seven maybe like that was the glitchy one but overall okay and i agree with you pukey it's a it's a banging movie it does all of those things but also a bunch more yeah um good on you and that is it for what you guys thought about this film. So, as always, I have been Petrus Pat Silvus. I'm Todd Jordan. Thanks for having me on. Pleasure to be here. Yep, sorry to interrupt you there, uh, Todd. You can just quickly step with me to this. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you here, but you can just come with me into this uh, darkened room here for a second. I just got something amazing to show you. Um, yeah. Yep, just in, just in here. Sorry about this, mate. It's just, I think it's, I think it's all the cage just, just got really, really got to me. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I've looked into the abyss and it has looked back at me, and I do not like it. You just happened to be here on the night. I snapped. Um, so yeah, all you listeners at home, as always. Um. I've been your host, Petrus Pat Syllabus. Um, that was Todd Jordan. We were caged in. You've been rad. Bye!
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.